Does it seem to you that people are more argumentative than they used to be? <laughs> I don't know if that's a, if that's just a, the way it seems to me, but but it does seem to me. And, and lately, I've been hearing this one argument that that I, I, I'm afraid some of you are going to be on one side and others are going to be on the other side. And and um, I wanted to weigh in on it because you know that's the way arguments work, because we all want to weigh in on them. So it's an important argument, and a lot of people have very strong opinions about it. And it is the the uh, important question, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? <laughs> so, I, just, just out of curiosity, how many of you have seen Die Hard? Okay, content advisory, okay, for the rest of you. So, uh, uh, language, strong language. So, um, so uh, Die Hard is a movie that came out about 30 years ago, and um, some people believe it is a Christmas movie. It's set at Christmas time, and so they say, well, look, how much more Christmassy could you, you get? Other people say, no, that's not a Christmas movie, and they, they make their arguments, but um, I'm afraid that those people are wrong because it is a Christmas movie. In fact, you can get Christmas tree ornaments uh, uh, for Die Hard. You can get Christmas cookies for Die Hard. You can get Christmas apparel. You can get a Nakatomi Plaza uh, sweater, or you can get a ho ho ho. Now I have a machine gun uh, 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 sweater. So, so there is no doubt in my mind that it is a Christmas movie. Now the problem is, I don't know about movies, right? I'm not an expert in movies. So, uh, if you told me, you know, well, compare this to It's a Wonderful Life or something like that, I, I could believe you. You know, I, I could be persuaded because I'm not an expert in movies. But the nature of of what I do is I am kind of an expert in Christmas. And I wanted to let you know that whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie the way I think it is, I can tell you it is a great illustration of the Christmas story in one area. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. So we are looking at the story of Christmas as we find it in Luke's biography. There are four biographies of of Jesus in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're going to read the one that was written by... Any guesses? Luke. All right, we got some Bible scholars here tonight. So, so all right. So, um, we're, we're picking up the story in chapter two. He's already set the stage back in chapter one. He's told us about, um, that Jesus has been foretold by an angel and so forth. But now, now suddenly he shifts the focus far away from the Holy Land. Now he goes 800 miles away to Rome and he tells us about the, the emperor. He says, in those days, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax lists. This first enrollment occurred when Quirinius governed Syria. And he says, because of that, everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled. Since Joseph belonged to David's house and family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth uh, in Galilee to David's city called Bethlehem in Judea. And my guess is that, you know, that, that's pretty much all we hear about Joseph. You know, Joseph is, you know, he's, he's come and gone for the purposes of the narrator here. Uh, Luke has not told us any more about Joseph. Um, he will tell us a little bit more later in the chapter, but that's pretty much all we hear about Joseph. So we have to guess where, what Joseph's thinking at this point, but we can imagine he's probably not super excited about this situation. I mean, first of all, whoever is excited to hear that they're thinking about new taxes, Right, you know, any. All right, okay. So, so, um, so, uh, so, 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 Joseph is probably thinking, great. You know, they're gonna they're gonna raise taxes, and they want to make sure how many people they can tax. So, so, who who is going to ever be excited about that? But then beyond that, um, Joseph is thinking. You know, I didn't want to travel. You know, I've got to make an 80-mile trip in order to fill out the form for my new taxes. Thank you very much. And then he says, and by the way, the timing kind of stinks because. 
this woman, my future wife, Mary, she is pregnant. Now, we don't know how pregnant she is, but she's at least three months. And, you know, if you do the math from chapter one, she's at least three months and um, uh, uh, maybe more than that, uh, because we know that she does. Uh, in fact, um, we read that he went to be enrolled together with Mary, who uh, was promised to him in marriage and was pregnant. So we know she's she's pregnant. And the only question is how much. And uh, so, so Joseph is probably not super excited about this situation. Joseph is probably thinking, you know, I didn't, uh, you know, this is not my preference that, that we would have this, um, this timing for this, uh, this enrollment. And I think a lot of us can relate to, to Joseph in this one area, that there are things in our lives that are outside of our control. I'm going to give you an example of one, and it rhymes with plovid. Okay, so for, for the last two years, we have all been dealing with something that is utterly outside of our control. I mean, you can't get much more outside of your control than something that's invisible and comes from the far side of the planet and maybe was from a wet market or maybe it was from a lab and nobody knows and we may never find out. And it really doesn't matter because it's outside of our control. And so everything that's happened since then, the the lockdowns, the travel restrictions, you know, the the social distancing, the masking, all the policies that have come out of that, nobody asked for them. Nobody said, hey, let's start doing this, right? It was something that was just handed to us, kind of the way, you know, it was with the emperor. The emperor says, jump, and everybody in the empire says, how high? That's really kind of the way we've been for the last two years. We've been dealing with things that are outside of our control. And, you know, there's, there's any number of other areas, you know, that's, that's just the one example, you know, you can think of the way that that has played out in your own life, but that's only one of many areas. You think about other things that we hear about. We hear about climate change, or we hear about globalization, and these things that really we have almost no control over. I mean, there's, there's things we can do, right? We can act responsibly, but, but we're going to have very little impact. You know, we can decide I'm going to shop locally um, instead of, you know, the, the one with the smiles on the box, right? We, we can make some, some little decisions like that, but ultimately, even there, we don't know where is that product being sourced, you know, is it sitting in a boat, you know, as part of the supply chain problems? You know, we don't even know. Uh, there's very little we can do. Same thing with, with any of these other problems, globalization. How do, you, how do you impact globalization? These things... It's not that we're utterly out of, that they're utterly beyond our control, but they're pretty close to beyond our control. And so I think that's a place where we can relate to Joseph. We can say, yeah, there's parts of my life that are outside my control. And maybe it's, you know, some of the old school things that we used to have back in the day. Maybe it's somebody, um, maybe it's a loss you've experienced. Somebody who is no longer a part of your life. Maybe, maybe you broke up. Maybe, uh, maybe they died. Or maybe it's it's an ongoing thing. It's 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 a health matter. Somebody that you care about is sick. Somebody you care about has an addiction. Maybe it's you who's sick. Maybe you're the one with the addiction. There's these areas of our life where we say, "Look, I don't have any control in this area. I feel like my life is out of control." And so, as we read the story about Christmas. It's useful to say, okay, all right, I can relate to, to Joseph in that one area, right? I've never been married to the mother of my Savior, right? I, that's, that's outside my scope. I've never walked 80 miles to go register for a tax thing. But I know what it feels like to have my life feel beyond my control. So, Luke tells us that while they were there, they go down to, they go up 
They go up to Bethlehem, and there they, um, the time is completed for Mary to have her baby. She gives birth to her firstborn child, a son, and wraps him snugly. You know, I have to tell you, I love the sound of children in the church, even when they're unruly. It's just such a great sound. So, um, so, um, so, um, so Mary has the baby, and um, she has a firstborn child, a son, and she wraps him snugly and lays him in a manger because there was no room for them in the guest room. All right, so. That's kind of the story. Joseph gets to Bethlehem. His, his wife Mary has the, has the baby. And then Luke changes the scene again. Where does he go now? He goes nearby. We don't know exactly where, but someplace nearby. Nearby shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. And the Lord's angel stood before them, and the Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. If you remember the old uh, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas special, this is where Linus comes out on stage and says, they were sore afraid. Um, that they are, they are terrified because there is nothing that is more out of your control than the appearance of an angel. And that's what happens. But the angel says, calm down. He says, don't be afraid. Look, I didn't come to let you know about a new tax you've got to go register for. I didn't come to tell you about a global pandemic. I didn't come to tell you about globalization and supply chains and stock markets and all those other things that are beyond your control. I didn't come to tell you anything like that. I came to bring good news to you. Look. Oh, I need to catch up. I came to bring good news to you. Wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is Christ the Lord. And then he says, here's how you'll know when you find out. You'll find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel um, a a great assembly uh, of the heavenly forces praising God, saying, glory to God in heaven and on earth peace among those whom he favors. So that's the message from the angels. Good news for all the people. And when the angels returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go check this out. Let's go right now to Bethlehem and see what happened. Let's confirm. Let's find out if what he said actually did happen. So they went quickly and they found exactly. Luke has told us. Luke Luke warned us. This is what's happening. And sure enough, that's what they find out. They went quickly. They find Mary and Joseph and the baby, just as predicted, lying in a manger. And when they saw this, they reported what they had been told about the child. Everybody who heard it was amazed at what the shepherds told them. And then there's some kind of uh, wrapping up of the story. We'll, we'll, we'll skip past that. But but that's kind of the end. The, the shepherds have come and gone. Uh, they've told that this amazing thing happened. Mary remembers it. She treasures these things up in her hearts and in her single heart. Um, and... Uh, and um, and that's kind of the story of Christmas. But but it raises the question, you know, how does this relate to us? I mean, good for the shepherds, right? You know, I'm happy for them. But how does this relate to us? And for that matter, how does it even relate to Die Hard? Well, <laughs> spoiler alert. All right. I know I know many of you have seen the movie Die Hard, but some of you haven't, so I'm, I'm going to try not to spoil it too much. It's 33 years old, um, but uh, you might still want to... Uh, to hear it. So the story of Die Hard is a story about a Christmas party. And there's a bunch of people who are at an office Christmas party, and what happens is some terrorists 
come into the building and they, they crash the Christmas party and they hold everybody hostage. So that's the, the big idea. The terrorists crash the office Christmas party and they hold everybody hostage. But one hostage gets away. One hostage is overlooked. He wasn't supposed to be at the, at the company at all. He came because, because of plot, plot reasons. But he, he's there and then he escapes down the hall and then he spends the rest of the movie foiling the plans of the terrorists. One, one thing after another, he prevents the terrorists from getting their, their, uh, to, from accomplishing their objective. And, uh, he saves the hostages from certain doom. And he does this not because anybody elected him, not because anybody chose him and asked him to do it. He does it because he can. And in fact, there's, there's several people throughout the movie who are upset with him and wish he would stop being such a hero. It's like, I didn't ask you to do this. I wish you would just quit interfering. Let the professionals take care of this. But he does it because he understands he's been able to see what the terrorists are up to and he's figured out their plot. He's the only person who's in a, who's in a position to help out. He's the only person who can save the hostages. And so that's what he does. And that is the place where Die Hard intersects with Christmas. Because that is exactly what Jesus did. We are all beyond, we, we are all at the subject to the mercy of forces that are outside of our control. Everybody is. And Christmas is the story of a God who came to save us. Not because we chose him, not because we're, we're special and he likes us specially, but because he can. He's in a position to save us. He's able to save us from the problems in our lives, the problems that defeat us. So, how does he do that? Well, you know, in a movie it's easy. In a movie, we all know, right? The credits roll and we say, well, sure enough, the terrorists were, were foiled, the hostage are rescued, the reporter gets punched in the nose, everything's wonderful. So, so it's a great, it's a great ending. But how do you know when that happens in real life? How, how does that, how does that actually intersect with us? And this is a place where, where I think, unfortunately, a lot of Christians, they have an answer, but it's not really the best answer. I mean, they, they have a, they have an answer. I mean, it's a great answer, but it's not the best answer. The, the answer that a lot of Christians would say is that Jesus came to pay the price for our sins so that we could go to heaven when we die. Right? That's what a lot of Christians would tell you if you ask them, how did Jesus save us? And, and that's true. And I don't want to, to say anything bad about it. I mean, I can tell you personally, there are loved ones that I cannot wait to see again at the resurrection in the renewal of all things. That is a great promise, and I am so looking forward to seeing my loved ones again. And I'm sure that that's true for many of you as well. So I don't want to take anything away from that. That is a great promise. Hold on to that. But that's not, I think, the most important part of what Jesus did. Jesus tells us that he came to inaugurate his kingdom here on earth, that it will come in in its fullness when he returns to bring about the, the completion of redemption. But it is already here. Jesus taught us it is already here growing in us and among us, like a, like a plant growing in a field or, or like yeast in a batch of dough. The, the kingdom of God is already here among us. We don't have to wait to die to go to heaven because Jesus has brought heaven 
here. Jesus has brought heaven to us. And that's, that's the most amazing thing that Jesus did in my mind. But Jesus did something else. He said for people who would study what he, what he came here to tell us, people who submitted him, themselves to the discipline of studying in the school of Jesus, people who became his di- disciples, that he said, if you hear my words and put them into practice, then you are like the wise man who built his house on rock. And then when the storms of life, when the COVIDs, when the terrorists stormed the office Christmas party, when the storms of life come and the rains come and the floods rise, he doesn't say if. He doesn't say if by some bad misfortune storms come into your life. Jesus said when they come, if you have put into practice the things I teach, then your house, the house that is your life, will withstand the troubles of this life. So, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I don't know. I think so. But I'm not a movie expert. But I can tell you, Die Hard is a story of somebody who saves people who are at the mercy of events that were outside of their control. And if that's you, if that has been you for the last two years, or if that's you ever since that thing, ever since that time, ever since that person, ever since that first taste, if there are parts of your life that are outside of your control, Jesus came to give you the ability to withstand those problems in your life. yippee Let's pray. Loving God, we give you thanks for Jesus and the the message of Christmas. Uh, We thank you for all the touch points it has with our life. Um, And Lord, we pray that you would bless us um, as we continue to celebrate uh, Christmas tonight. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen.